Father, truly we've come, Lord, to your table tonight. Lord, we want to come into your presence, and your presence is here, Lord, and recognize your presence. Lord, enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. Lord, we want to come to the all-sufficient Father that knows our needs, that knows our hearts, that knows everything about us better than we know ourselves, O God. And Lord, we want to come and ask, Lord, would you come tonight and meet with us, Lord Jesus? Lord, we thank you for the singing and we thank you for the word, Lord, that will come, Lord. And we just want to give ourselves, Lord, I want to give myself to you. You know the nerves, you know all the things. But Lord, I want to give myself to you now and give myself a way that you could come and use me, Lord. I pray you take the little thought you put on my heart. I pray you take every part of the service, Lord. I pray you'd anoint it, you'd come. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the singing. God bless you. If we can take in our, turn in our Bibles to, we'll turn to Exodus chapter 14. We'll start with, how many is happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 14 and then 1 John chapter 2. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. A very familiar scripture, as we often say. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more. And then something happened in between that the scripture doesn't record, but... God, there's a part where you can read between the lines. And Mo, now I'm missing this part. Moses, sorry, verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. He says this to the people. And then something happened in between that the Lord has to turn to Moses and say, wherefore criest thou unto me? So he had said, the Egyptians you'll see, you'll see them no more. And then he started to say, God, what do I do next? And God had to come back to him and say, Why, wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. First John chapter 2, verse 27 and 28. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. That was the difference. The Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God might have moved to the Old Testament and, and, and been there for a moment and left and been there for a moment, but there was a time where a baptism would stay. And this, this is what we are under tonight. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth and is no lie, even as, as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. 
And now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And I just realized I forgot where I wanted to start, but maybe we'll back up now to verse 14. Verse 12, sorry. I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. God bless you. You can have your seats. My title tonight is The the Sufficiency of the Anointing. The Sufficiency of the Anointing. And recently, one morning, I was reading a little bit of the Bible in 1 John chapter 2, and I stumbled across that verse, or it just jumped out at me that said that the anointing that you have received of him abideth in you, and you have no need that any man teach you anything. And it struck me as something funny because I thought, how many people would have taken that verse and said, I don't need anyone but that something that I feel is leading me down a path and down a wrong path or a wrong doctrine or something that would be wrong. And I thought, that's a strange. It just said, well, that's strange because you could take it down another path. But there's a true anointing. But there's something real. And, and then I, I went and I was listening to Brother Andrew's service on the season of the appearing and the coming I'd missed and, or started it. And that was like the opening that he had, scripture that he was using. And I just had read it that morning. That's, again, a funny scripture. And then Brother Matt comes behind on Sunday and preaches on anointed by the supernatural and began to talk about the anointing. And it's just something that I've been thinking about a little bit and maybe been coming. And so we'll, we'll see where, what God would have. But the sufficiency of the anointing. Brother Ed's been preaching on the power released in the will and and the surrender that we have to that anointing that will take us and bring us to our promise. But let me tell you tonight, that anointing is sufficient. You can trust in it. When you surrender and you give yourself to, and you surrender yourself to God, not only do you, are you surrendering yourself to God that he can use you and that you can overcome your pro, that you can take your promise, but no matter the circumstance, it's sufficient. It will hold you. It will take you all the way through. It is sufficient. Brother Branham, and I'm taking a number of thoughts, maybe your quotes from the message, Why Cry Speak. Brother Branham would pray, and he would say, Lord, let thy word lays hope on the pulpit, and realizing that someday it'll be closed for its last time, and then the word will be flesh. What a beautiful thought. And then we are grateful for this time this morning and open to us by thy Holy Spirit the contents of this word and we shall read it. Dropping down. And may we be able to catch what the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal to us. For we realize if he should anoint us, then the anointing is not in vain. It's for a purpose. Brother Matt preached it on Sunday. An anointing, what it is, is a purpose for your life. It's something that comes over on you. It's not just the presence of God, but it's a purpose, a commission, a calling that comes on your life. And and truly, you have a calling and it anoints the calling for something that you can carry out, the power to carry it out. Brother Brandon would say, then the anointing is not in vain. It's for a purpose that it might work to the good, to the Lord. And may our hearts and our understanding be open, Lord. 
Brother Branham would preach the message, Why Christ Speak? And he would say, now we got quite a subject, and I'll try to hurry through as quick as possible, he says, as the Holy Spirit leads. And he says, I want to think of this text of Moses crying out to God in the time of trouble and God rebuking Moses back. Moses crying out to God and God saying, why are you crying to me? And it's just like nature seeming like for a person to cry out and then what a rebuke it is for God to turn around and rebuke him for saying that. It looks like a very hard thing. Brother Branham would start this message and say, this is a text, this topic is something that drives me down because he realized, wow, I can see myself in Moses always crying out to God, always crying out to God, but I know where I stand. I ought to know where I stand. I ought to know who I am. I ought to know my calling and my place. We as humans so often, oh so often, get into trouble. And then we so often look right to the symptoms and the circumstances around us. Brother Branham would say, your symptoms, they're lying vanities. Don't receive them. Don't have nothing to do with them. If you look to them, you're looking away from God. They're one and the other. Symptoms and God. You look to one, you're not looking at God. We look at the unseen, not at what we see. He makes this amazing statement. No one could look at what they see and be a Christian. You can't look at your symptoms and be a Christian. If you look at your symptoms, I'll look at my failures and my flesh, and then I'll lose my faith, and, it'll, and I'll go down and down and down. But if I look at the promise, if I look at a God that says, I am the God that delivers thee and heals thee and keeps thee, that's what I have to look at. You've got to believe the things that's unseen, for it's by faith are you healed, not by sight. What if someone came in the morning by your door with a box of rattlesnakes, a whole basket full, and had your name on them and said, here, they're yours. We know this. You know they are, just like you know your symptoms is there. Someone comes and this is for you. This is your package. What do we say? We don't have nothing to do with that. We say, no, we turn it down. Brother Branham says, if you won't testify that you've got it, a sickness, or when you testify you still have your sickness, the devil keeps it with you. Oh my, but refuse to testify of it. I believe, therefore have I spoken. Brother Ken Boyer would make a statement that stuck with me. If you want to change your life, change your confession. I'm sad. No, I'm happy. And something comes with the words that you speak. I'm, this, I, I, I'm, I'm good, I'm doing well, I'm, I'm, I'm free, I'm delivered. That, that power of the spoken word changes your life by your confession. Because you had enough faith to say it. Brother Brandon would even say about receiving the Holy Ghost, I, I believe even receiving the Holy Ghost or healing, he says, confess it until you believe it. Yeah. Just start saying it until you believe it, till God recognizes your faith, and it happens. Yeah. That's when you're getting faith. Refuse to testify it. Say, I won't have it. No, sir. That's when you're getting faith. Give your faith a chance. Turn it loose. Unbridle it. Let it work. Now, I, I was looking a little bit at the word anointing, and, and then Brother Matt came, and or I think I looked at it a little bit, Brother Matt brought it out a little bit, how the, the, in, that, in that scripture in 1 John where, you, but the anointing which you have received in him abideth in you, and you have no need that any man teach you, but that same anointing teacheth you. What is, what is anointing? What is that word? The, the, the Greek behind that word would be charisma, which I imagine would also be maybe related to 
charismatic or charisma, or, but charisma was the Greek word in that particular one. And, and the outline of the biblical usage was anything smeared on, an, an anointing oil, smeared on, unguent ointment, usually prepared by the Hebrews from oil and aromatic herbs. Anointing was the inaugural ceremony for priests. It was something that was done, and they, they might have had a calling all their life, but there was a, a moment where they were anointed now to step into the role. There was something that now came and quickened what might have been on them all their life. But now, just like David with the anointing oil, he was always born to be a king, but that oil came. And now he was anointed to be king, though he didn't even come to position for a number of years. That same word would be also in 1 John 2 verses 20, but ye have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. That same word anointing is that same word unction, that leading, that tug, that push, that something that keeps us just right where we ought to be and moving forward, aligned with the target that God has for our lives. Another Greek word that would relate to anoint or anointing, probably more so in the Hebrew side, in the Old Testament would be the Hebrew, the New Testament is the Greek. Exodus 29, 7, then thou shalt take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. And you take those words and anoint, and the Greek word behind it was mashach or something, to smear, anoint, spread a liquid, to be anointed. These words with the oil. But the anointing wasn't just an oil, it, it was a purpose. It was something that was driving someone forward. Because Jesus Christ would come to a temple and read a scroll. And he would read from the prophet Isaiah. And in that scripture would have that same word, hath anointed, that same Greek word as the priest being anointed or something to that effect. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he hath anointed me. With what? Not just a presence, but a purpose. To what? To preach good tidings unto the meek. This was his anointing he was falling under. This was the spirit that he was falling under. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's jubilee. That was his anointing. That was the, the pole, the power, the something that he came under to fulfill for his day and for his age. And that anointing was sufficient to carry him all the way through, all the way to a cross, so that that day of jubilee would be released fully for each one of us to take a hold of. Brother Branham would say, again, repeating, for we realize if he should anoint us, the anointing is not in vain. It's for a purpose that it might work to the good. Brother Ed's been reading that scripture. Lo, it's written in the volume of the book, it's written to me. Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. What is the will of God? The anointing of God, that purpose and that objective for our lives. That's what we want to fall under. That's what we want to have confidence in. Brother Branham, why are people so tossed about? Some people get the wrong impression of what anointing is. Did you ever think of that? When was the greatest anointing ever given to anyone, and what did they do with it when they had that anointing? The greatest anointing that was ever given to anyone was Jesus Christ. We have the Spirit by measure. He had it without measure. And one day, he entered into the temple and picked up the scroll and read, The Spirit of God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. 
dropping down. And we would think if such anointing was on him, had prophesied 800 years before, that it would come. And he was that type of, and here he was with that type of anointing, the full blessing and anointing of the Lord upon him. We would want to run all over the building. But there's two separate things. Scream and holler. But the Bible said he laid down the scroll and sat down and precious words proceeded from his mouth. That's what he'd done under the anointing. He said, this is my purpose. And I'm going to fulfill it. The anointing is supreme power in control. Knowing exactly what and how. Knowing your purpose. Knowing your role. Knowing your gift. Knowing where you're supposed to be and staying under it. Even under, there's personal gifts and there's the word for the day. We're supposed to possess the coming of the Lord. We're supposed to take this message all the way to a rapture. That is the anointing this age is under. And in that, each of us will have a spot and a place to fulfill. And there's an anointing that we're under. The blessing of God and the noise and the shouting, that's the blessing of God, Brother Brandon would say. And we sure enjoy that. But the anointing of God is another part, a deeper part, something that drives us forward when we're not shouting anymore. And when, 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 when the battle is raging, but there's something that presses us all the way through, no matter what the circumstance. Brother Branham would say, see, you were made for an eternal purpose. I thought about that, because we think about our purpose on the earth. We have a purpose on this earth for this 70 years we're allotted, and maybe plus some. We have a purpose that we fulfill, but he says we have an eternal purpose. So that means when eternity begins... There's still something for us to do. I don't understand that fully. But there's more than this earth. He's only building character. That's the thing we'll take there. And we'll carry something on. An eternal purpose. Something that God has more for us. Because you was the manifestation of an attribute that was in God. That thought of you and expressed you. And he made an earth to take you out of. Make you a human being. Sin came along and perverted his way. You come Anyhow, but you was lost with the world. So he come and redeemed you, the express attribute, and also redeems the earth by the same way. Then his purpose rolls on. What a beautiful thought of how the earth comes. His purpose will not fail. If you have an eternal purpose beyond this earth, you'll be just fine on this earth. God will see you all the way through. Brother Branham would be asked a question. He would actually misread the question. The sister would actually say something on the tape. That's not quite what I meant, but here's the question he thought he was asked and how he answered it. So just for the the background. Would not man's free will be a mightier force than the eternal plans and purpose of an almighty God? And this, I think the sister believed, no, it wouldn't be, but the way he read it was, would not man's free will be a mightier force? We think we have free will. We can mess it up. We feel that way sometimes. Would not, God, would not man's free will be a mightier force than the eternal plans and purpose of an almighty God? No, my brother or sister, certainly not. That's good. There is nothing more powerful. Man's will could never compare with the eternal purpose of God's judgment. <laughs> it overrides. It's greater than our free will. It couldn't be. Would not man's free will? Why, certainly not. How could the will of a man be mightier force than the purpose of Almighty God? And how 
and man in his carnal condition to will what he wants more forceful than an eternal perfect God would be. Certainly not. It couldn't be. The eternal God whose purpose is perfect. How could you say that a carnal man, no matter how just and he might be, his purposes in no wise would compare with this, the purposes of God, of the eternal and almighty God. Now Moses. Moses came, and we know the story well. He was born to be a deliverer. He was born probably with natural leadership qualities. He was raised up in Pharaoh's house. He knew all the, the, the military leaders, the political leaders. He knew how Egypt worked. He was raised up in it. He learned how it worked. He learned the system. He was a gifted young boy, I'm sure. All the way up to about 40 years old, and he was at the height of it all. Born to be a deliverer, and he knew what he was born to do. He knew he was called to do it. He could see it in his own life. I'm sure he could see how, oh, I could do this and I could do it that way. And maybe his mom would tell him, you know, if you just did it this way, I, I don't know what she did, but maybe she knew he was the deliverer. She knew that this was the boy that would save her people. But he came and, and he wasn't, he, 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 I'm going to find my, my spot here. I went past it. I'll go here, maybe. Moses knew this, knew this intellectually. He knew his purpose. He knew his spot. He knew what he was supposed to do intellectually. And the seed that was born in him was laying in his heart. So it was there, but it wasn't anointed. That anointing, that something, that quickening power, that something had not come to it, though he knew his role intellectually. And we, for years, maybe have went on as the bride knowing who we are intellectually, knowing it, saying it, even believing it, and even it being quickened, but there's something that's still coming and even is here now. It's here now. And one by one, we're catching it, what we're supposed to do and falling under that anointing. That seed that was born in him was laying in his heart, and he tried through his intellectual experience with the word to try to bring it out to deliver them because he knew he was born for that purpose. He knew that the time the scriptures had all said that already. That was an important part. God had said that you'll be here for 400 years and I'll lead you out with a mighty hand. The word of God had laid it out. Just like the word of God lays it out in this last day that behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And the scripture would lay out the conditions of the age and say there'll be a bride that will come. The message will say there'll be a bride that will come forth. It has to be in the word he know the scriptures all laid out, they had already been here for 400 years. Just as we know now, Brother Brandon would say, as a man asked me a few moments ago about the coming and the rapture. We compare and contrast Moses and here, and maybe I'll be a little broken up, but you see where Moses' day and recognizing where he was at and where are we at today. If Moses knew he was born for something and then anointed for something, about the coming and the rapture. We know we've lived the time out at the time of the rapture is at hand and we're looking for that rapturing faith. This is what we need that can pull the church together and give it some supernatural strength that can change these bodies that we live in. Maybe I won't build the thought very well, but I'll jump right here. When we see a God that can raise the dead off the floor out of our yard and bring him back to life again and present him before us, when we see a God, and this should be real after this morning, that can take a cancer 
that's eaten a man. Even last weekend, that testimony of that, that tumor that was there. Eaten a man to his shadow and raised him up to a strong, healthy man. That ought to give rapturing faith, he says. To the people, that when that light flashes from the sky and the trumpet sounds, the body of Christ will be quickly gathered together and changed in a moment. Yes, it, there's got to be something like that happen, and it's happening. It's coming. And our schools of theology can never produce that, yet they're intellectually all right. But you've got to meet that light, that burning bush, that something, that anointing that will come and take you and quicken your heart. You've got to find that something. Here Moses, basing his great call upon the word, and it was great until one day he met that light. And the very word itself spoke back to him. Then he got his anointing, Brother Branham says. Why Christ speak? The, uh, that anointing, what he had in him, that on the inside. The intellects that believed it, the faith that was based upon his belief in God, that separated him from his mother. And now when he strikes in the presence of this light, it anointed that he believed. What an anointing. And he was commissioned. He was commissioned, but now it was anointed. And God would honor what Moses would say. He would call for fleas. He would call for frogs. He would call for darkness. And God would begin to back it up. A man that was called and anointed and in his position. When he was anointed, he couldn't be stopped. There was a man that, he, here he run to Egypt. When he, when, he had that, when he had met that burning bush experience, he run. He, he could have started a muted, mutiny or something 40 years ago. He could have done those things. He could have rose up and started a revolution in Egypt and had an army and fought. Had many thousands on his side. But Brother Bradham would say he was scared to even do that with armies on his side back then. He was scared to do that. But here he comes back 40 years later, 80 years old, with only a stick in his hand. Because he was anointed. And that anointing was sufficient. It was something that was there. What is that in your hand? He was there. What was burning down in his heart had become a reality. He was anointed then. And he knowed he had thus saith the Lord. There was nothing going to stop him now. He needed no army. God was with him. Brother Brandon would talk about that Finnish boy. And, and, and landing in Finland. And there was a car accident. And he, he saw a mountain. If, I, if I'm remembering right. He sees this mountain. He says I've seen that mountain before. But we didn't come this way. Just driving now. And, and, and he sees the boy crashing. And he realizes He's in a vision, but now it's in reality. And that's that boy that he's been telling believers for maybe a couple of years to write in the fly leaf of their Bible that this boy will be raised again. Here he is, and he knows. And he knows that he's anointed for a purpose. He knows he's in the spot. He knows he's in the vision. And that boy will live again. And I looked around, and there was exactly, exactly the way the Holy Spirit had laid, told me two years before, when all of you wrote it in your Bibles across the nation, that it would happen. Then the situation is in hand. No matter how dead he is, no matter how dead your child is, or your loved one, or whoever it might be, no matter how dead he is, no matter what anyone else says, it's all over. He's got to come back. Brother Branham said, I said, if this child doesn't raise up from the dead, then I'm a false prophet. I'm a misrepresentation of God. Oh, he knew where he could stand. He knew where he could be. 
for in the homeland two years ago, he told me it would happen. He would say, dropping down, that faith that was in my heart was anointed. Oh, if I could only explain that. The faith that God, I had in God that told me, and it never failed me. He says, the situation is under control now. Whatever situation we're in, when that anointing comes, it strikes the promise of God to your heart. That situation is in control now. Here is exactly what I showed you two years ago. The only thing you have to do is speak the word and that little boy raised up from the dead. It anoints us when we see that we're living in the last days to find out that all these signs that we see taking place, we, we, we hear it preached on, we see it preached on the current events and where we're at and where this country might be and where this might land and where this might be, and we can see clearly we're at the cusp of eternity or I guess another thousand-year millennial reign, and then eternity. But we're at the cusp and at the end. We know it could, it could be another hundred years. It could be. It could be another 20. It could be another two months. But we're almost there. And we're supposed to now come to a spot, and we will. We're anointed to come to a spot where we fulfill every word. Every word that's been laid out, where we're willing and we're able and we have the faith to take every promise. How can we have these promises of healing if we don't get sick? How can we have a promise if Laodicean age is lined up with brotherly kindness? That's the two that are lined up. How can we meet that challenge of brotherly kindness without troubles? With our brothers. How can we meet these moments God will put, make the, the pressure, and it's God allowing the devil. The pressure is only getting higher and higher and higher. I don't know if you can feel like I can feel it. I know you can. The intensity of the battle, even in the last six, eight months, the mind battles, the, the busyness. Everyone seems to have a mind battle and is busy like never before. But we're overcoming. Why? It's sufficient. What we're under will bring us all the way through. We don't have to rely on ourselves. We would be done if we relied on ourselves. If, if, if the way I was two or three years ago was standing right now, I would be done. I'd be fallen. But God's brought me higher. If what you were two years ago, you wouldn't stand today. But we're standing today. Why? It's sufficient. It grows. It lives. It grows. And it anoints us when we see that we're living in the last days. Oh, and, and it anoints our faith. It moves us out in great cycles, he says. Oh, see, it separates us from the other things of the world. No matter how little we are or such a minority we are, how we're laughed at or made fun of, it don't make a bit of a difference. And the critics of the message have never been louder. There's things coming against this message online that have never been louder but it won't prevail. It can't prevail. There's something that lives on. That's all. There's something within us. We are predestinated to see this hour. There is nothing going to stop us from seeing it. God has spoken it. It's already happened. Oh, then it brings your faith when we see these things happening here. Moses esteemed the riches of Christ greater than all the treasures of Egypt. 
we're anointed in different roles and in different purposes. You're anointed if you're a wife in this age or you're a husband in this age or, or you're a father in this age or you're a young person in this age. You're anointed to overcome your challenge. And it'll seem like you can't. It'll seem like you step into a role or you're in a place or, and it'll seem like it's too much. But you're anointed to do it. You fall into it. You're supposed to do it. As a young person in this age, the challenge will never be higher. It's 10 times worse than your parents, Brother Branham would say, and 100 times worse than your grandparents. But you're anointed to do it. We find out that Moses, and now Moses with his great faith could say no to the present things of this present world and make a righteous choice. We have young people will go to school, we'll have struggles and trials and pulls and temptations and things like never before. The mind battles, suicide, depression, but you're anointed to overcome. It's sufficient. An anointed young people anointed to be clean and holy in the right place. Will we get it right every time? No, but God brings us higher. Moses had chose to suffer the afflictions with the people of God and stayed away from the things of the world. By faith he would choose. We're also called, as God works with us and moves and anoints us, we might have something in our life, but when the Holy Ghost comes, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we can step out in action. We can go forward. We can accept the promises and claim the promises in a, in a new way. God's recognized our faith, and he's come into our life in a full way, or a fuller way, bringing us to adoption. Then we have something to do. We don't want to have just, Brother, Brad, Brother, Brother Ed said it last Sunday, we don't want to have, or maybe, couple, maybe last Wednesday, whatever it was, we don't want to have just enough Holy Ghost that we don't want to do anything. Just save living right, doing, but not enough to actually want to do anything for God. Step out and claim the promises of God or, or, or be a witness or do something. Brother Branham says, for you see, faith sees what God wants done. I hope this goes in. Faith doesn't look at the present time, doesn't see this here. Faith looks to see what God wants, and it works accordingly. That's what faith does. It sees what God wants and what God wants done, and faith operates through that. It has a long-range vision, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the binoculars that look on at a long range. Faith sees what God wants you to see. We can't look to our symptoms. We can't look to what all would be around us. There's many situations. There's many trials. There's many struggles. But there's a place to see and a place to look. And what that anointing comes, it comes and opens your eyes. That I, I'll anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see what I want you to see. Not your symptoms, not your struggles, not your, but that well person or that whole complete family. Or that, that, that something that you've put out, that peace in your home, or that something that you put out in front of you that, I want that, and I will have it. Reasoning and senses see what the world wants you to see. But faith don't look at that. Faith looks at what God said. You cast down reasons. Brother Brandon would say, I think I remember Brother Harold maybe quoting this. There's no fear in faith. Faith knows all about it. Faith, as I've always said, it's got great big muscles and hair on its chest. Faith said, shut up. And everyone shuts up. That's all. I know where I'm at. When that anointing comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, and when you know where you stand. You ever, have, have you ever had that moment where you knew God led you to do something? Were you scared of it? We shouldn't have been. 
We should have been able to say, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And that's it. That's all. Then you got to stand up and show your muscles. Faith does it. Moses never feared Pharaoh after God vindicated his call. The devil likes to try to make deals and compromises with us. Say, you can go this far. You can go this far. You can have this. You can have that. Pharaoh tried to make deals with Moses. You can, all, all the men can go. And then all these but not the children or however, different deals, different compromises. The devil likes to say, we've been talking about the loved ones coming home. And, 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 and where are they? Where are they coming? They're coming. Amen. They're coming. They're coming. Prodigals are coming home. Moses, you know what Moses said when Pharaoh tried to make a deal with him? There won't even be a hoof left behind. We're going all the way. We're all going. I'm not going unless they go, he says. Let's make that a declaration. I'm not going unless they go. And I'm going, so they're going. We're going all the way. And you know, a, a, a hoof. We want to talk about the blessings of God for a moment. There, there, was, there, was, there was people, there was animals, there was all the way down to the hooves of the animals. And I'll say this, our children are not hooves, we're, they're people. So what, what would the hooves have been? What would the animals have been? Not only were they going in with every single one of them, but they needed those animals to sacrifice to God. They needed their worship, their praise, their rejoicing, and their blessing too. That joy of the Lord was, was coming with them too. All the way, they were going in, not just half dragging in and, and half, but they were going in knowing who they believed in. They were going with their children. They were going with their family. They were going with their worship and praise. They were going all the way. Every one of us, whether you're a housewife or a little maid or an old woman or a young man or an old man, whatever you are, we're going anyhow. There isn't going to be one of us. Every one of us is going, and we ain't going to stop. Nothing else. Them religions was any debate. That was where a quote like this, I, I, wish I, could, I wish I could preach like Max for this type of quote, but I can't, I guess. But, and I'm just maybe jumping through quotes, maybe I'm not, I hope it's okay, but there was this back and forth with Moses and Pharaoh for a while, darkness and plagues and frogs and all these things. Back and forth, back and forth, and Pharaoh keeps getting smacked down and smacked down. These things keep happening. And there came a point, our contention with the enemy, there'll come a point where it'll be enough, and it'll be the end, and it'll be the last time. Notice how beautiful, oh, I love this. This is where I could, wish I could dance after this. You know, finally Pharaoh said, get out. Wait, what? The devil said, get out. Finally, the devil had enough. Pharaoh had enough. He said, God just plagued him with the voice of Moses. He struck everything. He'd done everything there was to be done. He stopped. He put up the sun in the middle of the day. He'd done everything else. He blackened the days. He brought the frogs, the fleas, the lice. Made his life so miserable. Fire, smoke, death to his families and everything else. Till finally Pharaoh had to say, get out. Take all you God and go. Brother Brandon would say, I'm so glad that a man can so completely serve God till the devil don't know what to do with him. Just obeyed God so completely till the devil said, oh my, get away. 
I just don't want to hear it no more. So completely. There'll come a day. Maybe the devil won't even notice it for a moment. And we'll be gone. Because he eventually will have said, just get out. And we'll know who we are. We'll be so in our position. That invincible army. That quote we hear over and over. Knowing where we are. and What she is. What she stands for. And that she can do the greater works. And then be doing them. And we'll be gone. Now we find where we're at. Moses. We find Moses come. After all of this, he's out. He's seen God move time after time. There's been healing after healing in his church. There's been situation dealt with. And God's moved and moved in his own life. And he's been anointed and commissioned and called. And what he's gotten used to was, God, what do I do next? God, what do I do next? God, what do I do next? And we need that. We need to pray to the Lord. We need to be in prayer. We need to be in position. We need to be wondering, okay, what what am I supposed to do? What's the next step? We need that. But there's a furtherance than that. There's a part where we're trained enough. We've been anointed long enough. We've walked far enough to start to know what to do. We find Moses here, after God had done so much for him and had showed him so many signs and wonders, Brother Branham says, now for the next 15 minutes, let's lay this down and watch real close. God had said, I am with you. Your words are my words. I've proved it to you, Moses. I've proved it to you, bride. You was there when there was no flies in the land. It was out of season. And you said, let there come flies. And there came flies. You've prayed for healing and it's come. You've spoken the word, and God's backed it up. You've, you've, been a, you've given a positive confession. You've created the right atmosphere. You've done these things. You've prayed to me, and I said, do it this way. You did it this way, and it worked just right. Time and time again. And I've spoken through you, Moses, and made my words create through your lips. I've made you actually a god before Pharaoh. I've done all this. And they came to the place, and a little trial came up. A little trial. I mean, it was, it was a big trial. There was a Red Sea and an army. And Moses began to cry, what shall I do? It, it's amazing that the children of Israel would have a miracle and then three days later would be, where's God? Because there was a new trial. I, it's amazing to me how human I feel on Monday. <laughs> That's life. But God help us to remember and recognize that he's with us. We're anointed for it. The anointing isn't just so much the presence that we feel. It's a commission. It's a purpose. It's something that's on us always. We can step out from the place, but God's there to make it come to pass. We have an eternal purpose. I want you to notice this is a great lesson here now. I love this. Moses, if we were to read tonight, when the children began to get scared, they seen Pharaoh coming after them, and they were in the line of duty. Brother Brandon would say in desperation, when, when, when you make a mistake or some boy or some girl make a mistake, talking about Peter walking on the water, and he began to sink, but he had been walking on the water because God told him to come and walk on the water. So he'd been walking on the water, but he began to get his eyes on his circumstances. He began to go down. He says, some boy, some girl make a mistake. Don't stay there. Reach out, call, cry out. You're in the line of duty. If a cancer grabs you, he would say, you're in the line of duty. Go forward. God had performed everything perfectly. He started them on their journey. He's got the church together. They've been called out. They've come from every denomination, 
This is us now. They're God all together. Moses said, and they come to a situation. He said, well, what do I do? What do I do? He listened to this message. and Brother Branham would make it quite striking the way he would say it. He would say God would get fed up with him. He would say we become babies. That we would keep saying, what do I do? What do I do? He would say, it's striking. He would, he would say it strongly. Now Moses, he would say, well, go do this and I'll write. Now Moses, I, you know I've called you to do this. Yes, Lord. All right, you go speak this and it'll be. And here come flies. Speak for this and here it comes. Do this. Here it comes. Everything was thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Now he gets into a trouble. And God said, well, I've got them started on this journey. They're all done. Called out. The church is together. I've got them started on their journey. Now Moses, take them on, old, on over. I told you to. I'm going to go sit down and rest a little while. He wanted him to finally get to the spot that he started. To look and realize, this is my place. He wanted to take that moment and, and, and have his child, his adopted child, come to a place and say, okay, I know where I'm supposed to be and I'll step out. And Moses wasn't quite ready to, to just step out and know. I've already, in this scripture right before, he says, the Egyptians that you've seen this day, you'll see no more. If I remember right, he says that this will be the end. And then he says, now what do I do? You just spoke the word. You just confessed I'm the God that healeth thee. That's what God said. You just confess it. Now what do I do next? Well, step forward. Hold on to that promise. Keep confessing it. Sometimes all you have to do is go to bed, get up, read your Bible and pray, go to bed, keep moving forward. And don't keep digging up what you've, what you've planted already. Let God do it. But you keep moving forward and moving forward and moving forward. Here we see Moses expressingly fully human nature. All of us. Every, me. Always wants God to get behind you and push you into something. Now that's us today. You want God, after we've seen all we've seen, yet you want God to push you to do something. Moses had just laxed around and said, God, I'll, I'll ask you to see what you say. Yeah, yeah, you say it. Well, all right, I'll say it too. See, but God had ordained him for the job. Proved that he was with him. And when the circumstance comes up, then he began to cry, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Now, that's not to say we just jump and we just go and I've got the anointing like that scripture that could be deceiving and say that anointing that teaches you, you have no need that any man would teach you. That's not to say now we jump out. And we do something that would be against the word of God. But what that has to do with is what we're anointed to do. We're anointed to be the bride of this last day. That comes in. Lives a faithful, humble life. Comes to our church. Serves the Lord God. Looks for a rapture. Looks for those around us that we might be able to be a witness to. Raises our family. When the situation comes, we have faith to say, the devil has to get out, and I'm going forward with God. He's my healer. He's my savior. He's my deliverer. Lord, what can I do to serve you? And maybe there's something I'm called to do in this way. I, I go out, I, I sing a song, or I, I go do this, or I do that, or I be a help. These are the things that we're anointed to do. So when you see God begin to work on your life, for a while we call, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? But there comes a point where we got to recognize, oh, this is what I do. This is where I am. This is what I'm supposed to do. And have confidence in it. 
I remember being song leading and, and coming out and thinking, maybe scared of it. But then there was a point where I, I would recognize in some moments, not every time, oh, well, if God called me to do it, and we pray in the back and we walk out, then I trust in God. I don't have to, why would I worry? I mean, some services are, some song services are here, some song services might feel there. That, but we keep going forward. God called me to do that, so I'll do it. We ought to have confidence not in ourselves, in the anointing. It's sufficient. If you're called to be a deacon, God will lead you to make all the choices. It, 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 will we make even as parents, or I'm not a parent, so I can just say it, you know, throw it up in the air and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Not every choice will be right. As a husband or as a, as a, as a young person, we won't always get it right, but as we try, we commit it to God, all things work together for good. To them that love God and to them that are the called according to his anointing, his purpose, his something. It's all according to a grand purpose. You're under something that's greater than you. We'll get to the end. Brother Brandon would say, oh, on the other side of Eden, on the other side of heaven, we'll look back on this life and say, why did I worry so much? I could have had so much more peace knowing it's all in control. I'm paraphrasing, maybe not paraphrasing it well. It'll all come together. It'll all work. God help us to take a hold of the promises of God. To live a simple, humble life. To have faith in this word that we've preached and believed for so long. That there will be a rapture. There will be a bride. He is a healer. Our children will come home. I, I, my mind, let my mind go. He's a deliverer. Brother Ed talked about besetting sins. We can go around that cycle. Brother Max is preaching on breaking the cycle. Truly, if I could say it real, in one sense, we preach a service and God can so move and break it. But if we don't stay in the word of God, the cycle starts again. I've done it probably a million times. But then there comes a day where it's broken. That's where we want to be and stay. But when there is a besetting sin or when there is something, when there's, remember he was, the, he was anointed to preach liberty to the captives. One of the anointings that we're under. Moses, Brother Brandon would say he was on the backside of the desert. Gone away, he had, he had been his 40-year-old Pharaoh or almost Pharaoh at the top and he had, now he was kicked out to the desert, one dead Egyptian. He had, his purpose seemed like it was all forgotten. And he was bound and, and bound in his spot in the wilderness. Brother Brandon would say he had lost all thoughts of freedom. All thoughts of freedom. And that's where we can be in a cycle. Thinking we've lost all thoughts of freedom. At this point, it's impossible. Maybe someone else has got there, but I can't. Yes, you can. Not by might, not by power, not by trying hard, but by the spirit of the living God. There's a deliverer that can come and take and part your Red Sea. Everyone's Red Sea might be a little different, but there's someone that can split a path right down the middle. And you'll look at yourself, brother. Gideon would say, if God be for us, where be all the miracles? He would say this to the Lord, where, that angel that would come. If God be for us, where are all the miracles? Brother Brandon would preach that service of God before us, where be all the miracles? And he would say, first, if you, need, if you want to see a miracle... First, you need to become one. 
First, you need to become one. That's what happens when God comes and so breaks something in your life. You can look back and say, I know what I was. I know what I am. What happened in between has to be a miracle. Because I know my humanity. But when he came, when he comes, it's so different. It changes everything. He sets us on another path and he brings us forward. Gideon would come back and, and, and Gideon would, would have a commission and a call and an anointing. And then he would come and he would bring a fleece. And he'd bring another fleece. And God honored it. But there might be another part of God's mind where he was saying, but didn't I send you? Just like he was saying to Moses, didn't I do all this for you already? Didn't I commission you to do this? Didn't I tell you? Sometimes we have that fear of something that might hold us back. We know God might be moving us a little higher, trying to bring us a little farther into the kingdom of heaven, a little bit higher, a little bit farther, to maybe to do something for him. We have, but we get a fear of it. If the almighty God asked you to do it, you can do it. The anointing is sufficient. You're not. It is. It will see you all the way through. I don't know the journey, Brother Zoe, you had to go through to come here. 13 countries, if I remember right, and the path that you must have come, but it kept you all the way. Yeah. It brought you all the way here. Yeah. God knows how to bring someone from start to finish, no matter what the ups and the downs look like. He knows, and he has you here for a purpose, and he'll see it all the way through. Brother Brandon would say, and we'll maybe begin to try to wind it down, what a lesson. At this stage of the journey, bringing it to today, our age, where we are standing, we're looking now, yes, sir, at the third pole. Notice we're right here at the door of the coming of the Lord. He was anointed for the job, still waiting for the Sith Lord. When situations come, let's begin to remember we're in that age of the spoken word. Brother Brandon would talk about standing in Durban, South Africa with, I think, 30,000 converts coming at one time. And he said, yet the greatest anointing I had ever felt was in that living room with Hattie Wright. He compared the two. Think about that. 30,000 people, if I remember exactly right. He said, but the greatest I had felt was when, when, when that spirit came in the room and said, whatsoever you say. That's the age we're coming to. That spoken word, that creative power. Oh God, what this church ought to be this morning with God's perfect vindication. We know where we are with the pillar of fire, the signs and wonders, everything like it was in the days of Sodom. He said it would return back. Here it is, the world in its condition, the nation in its condition, the women in its condition, the men in its condition, the church. There's everything. He says the elements, the signs, flying saucers. There was an article just that CNN had and, and different ones. They had talked about the release of these lights and things that were being seen by the military that were released. You know what they, Brother Brandon would say? They were uh, investigating angels. If you want the article, I can send it to you. There was a, the, 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 the pilots, or as they described these images of these things that were flying around, these unidentified flying objects, he said they were like six feet long, white. Kind of sounds like angel size to me. These white streaks, six feet long. I can't remember what, if there was a wing or not. It's six feet long and a white streak flying through. The, that's exactly like what Brother Branham said it was. And I'm sure they can't believe what they're looking at. 
All of these mysterious things and the sea roaring, tidal waves, men's hearts failing for fear. And God has sent us his true word. Undenominational, no strings tied to it. Give us the pillar of fire. The Holy Ghost that's been here now for 30 years. Speak to the people. Let's go forward. We've got an objective. That's glory. Let's move to it. We're headed to the promised land. All things are possible to them that believe. We're in the age of perfect faith. Perfect faith. Brother Brandon would say in that tape, in that tape, perfect faith, he says, if you're going to come in the line, if you have any hint of doubt, don't even bother coming. Come if you know you're going to get it. Now we can say it that high. Doubts come. Fears come. Approach it head on, though. If we know and the symptoms come, and the circumstances come, and all the doubts and thoughts that plague our minds every Monday morning, every Monday afternoon, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, Sunday in church, they plague our mind. Recognize it's the enemy. Recognize it's the enemy. I was in, maybe I'm off, I don't know, but Brother Matt was preaching last Sunday. And, and as he was, he mentioned just something that triggered my mind about the prodigals and the lost sons coming home. And what hit my mind was, We've been saying this, but is there, maybe it's, maybe we, maybe it's just nothing. Maybe we've just been saying, that. that's what hit my head. And within a moment, Brother Matt begins to come around and preach about the prodigals coming home. And I recognize, ah, that's the enemy. That's all that was. That's all that was. We get all kinds of thoughts that come, but God is in control. They will come. It's true. It's real. Moses, as we're winding down, Moses had come to that spot where he said, God, what do I do? What do I do? And God said, speak. But there came a Joshua. He didn't ask God, what do I do? What do I do? He just said, son, stand still. He just spoke it. And it happened. He knew where he was at. He had probably for the next 40 years, or yeah, 40 years in the wilderness, heard from Moses about that lesson at the Red Sea. Next time that happens, Joshua, don't do what I did. God rebuked me for that. Don't do what I did. He had been trained well under Moses. He knew what he ought to do when the situation comes, when it looks impossible, when I need more time, when the enemy's approaching me. Just speak and it'll work, Joshua, he said. Just speak and it'll happen. Joshua knew exactly what to do. He had seen what had happened before, but now he knew what to do. He knew how to stand in his place. Moses had come in the message, perfect strength by perfect weakness. We can listen to that message and see the two sides of Moses. He was so big, God couldn't use him. Then when God wanted to use him, he was too small. I can't do it. I can't talk. I can't do this. I can't do that. I think he had seven reasons or something or how many ever that he, he laid out to God to say why he couldn't be used. Then he was too small for God to use. There's a place in the middle where we're not too big and too prideful in the pride of life and we're also not too useless, too scared to step out, too unwilling to, to, and say, I can't do it. I can't. If God's got it on your heart, if it's lined up with the word of God, if the door is open, go through it. Step into action. God's put you there for a purpose. Don't let the devil put you back. Don't let him go back, but step out like that song and say, this means war. We're going forward against the enemy. Brother Brandon would say, 
And he says this to us. Take the clouds away. Then see what happens. The sun is right there. The only thing you have to do today. Say not, oh, Jesus, come and heal me. Oh, Jesus, give me the Holy Ghost. Just take the clouds away. He's already there. He come 1,900 years ago, and he's still there. He'll always be there. I'm alive forevermore, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now they had to believe. They had to believe the prophet's word and obey it before they could see God's miracles. And today you can't go under a false makeup saying Jesus is not the same yesterday and today and forever. The days of miracles has passed and there's no such thing as the baptism of the Holy Ghost and expect to see God's miracles. You've got to obey it. When you obey it, obedience comes first. We can't just come to this place of stepping out without walking with God. We can't just step out and you could say, maybe even you could say a new Christian and just, but you have to know what the word says, how it's laid out. You have to be anointed by the Holy Spirit, accept it into your life and let it begin to work in your life and work in your life until you come to that place where God says, okay, now you speak. Now you step out. Now you, now you do what you've been taught to do. But where we've been taught to do it, where we, where we have maybe a maturity or we have a place where we know how God wants to use us, let's do it. Let's step out. If you could brush all the clouds back, the sun is already there. It just hangs there. The sun doesn't move, we're told. The sun remains in the same place, and Christ remains. And that's right. We move away from him, but he remains. Jesus, he spoke. He spoke, and the blind saw. The lame walked. The deaf heard. Devils screamed and come out. The dead was raised up. Everything. Why? This is the message why Christ speaks. He didn't pray through, and yet he spent so much time in prayer. But it wasn't about these moments that would come up, and he didn't pray through. He was anointed the Messiah. When these situations come, we ought not to have to always go and pray, and God help me. Sometimes you feel like, oh, I've got to, you do feel that. You've got to pray. If I've done something, forgive me. I want to be right. That's true. We also got to remember there's something over us. Brother Branham would say, David didn't have to go pray through to go fight Goliath. He says that David was prayed through before the foundation of the world. Amen. He was anointed for that purpose. Hallelujah. He was anointed for that role. That's a, that's a quote from Why Christ Speaks. He says, God prayed him through before the foundation of the world. Yeah. Samson comes out and he's trapped up and the gates are there. He just came and picked them up and moved them on and kept going. He claimed, he didn't, he didn't, even Brother Brandon would say that Moses had to cry out to God, but Samson didn't. He, under, he better understood, paraphrasing, he said, when all those Philistines came against him, he didn't say, God, what do I do, what do I do? He said, well, I'm anointed to slay Philistines. Let's pick up a jawbone. Let's go to fighting. When the thoughts come against you on Monday morning, and you think, what do I do, what do I, just pick them up, redirect them, send them back to hell. Turn them around. No, this is not according to the word of God. This negativity or this thing or this temptation or this trial, it's not of God. So send it back to where it came from. It has no power over you. To resist the devil, turn him down. Ignore him. It's like a, it's bad to say it that way. Like an annoying kid will go away. But we don't ever think that kids are annoying. That's not right. Ignore the devil. He's the one annoying little imp that we contend with day after day after day. But there'll come a day and he'll be in hell and we'll be in heaven. 
Moses had forgotten. Samson understood. Others understood. Joshua understood. Moses forgot. God had to call his attention to him. Why are you crying unto me? I sent you to do the job. Speak. Go to your objective. I told you you'd come to this mountain. Take them children and lead them on. Just speak. I don't care what's in your way. Move it out of the way. Move it out of the way. I give you authority to do it. You've spoken fleas and flies in creation and anything like that. Now what are you hollering to me about? Speak. Maybe the musicians could start to come and John 14, 12, Brother Ed read it. And it's an amazing how much Brother Branham would quote this message. The greater works shall you do also. Shall you do also. And the greater works, on one front, it's more. And on another front, it's greater. Because there would come a point where Brother Brandon would say that Jesus spoke water into wine, but that was creation into something. But then Brother Brandon would come and God would lead him to speak squirrels. Something out of nothing. Greater works. Take those scriptures. Take a scripture like Mark 16, if you shall say to this mountain, it will be removed. Take John 14, 12, the greater work shall you do. Take those scriptures. That's our objective. Parts of our objective as we come to the coming of the Lord. That's what we're to fulfill. If we put that word on our lips, we speak and move forward. We recognize that we're called to live simple Christian overcoming lives. That's what God has us to live and anointed to do. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done for you. And it shall be done for you. God give me courage, why Christ speak, to take that sword of the word that he put in my hand about 33 years ago and hold it and march forward to the third pole is my prayer, Brother Brandon says. Hold it and take that sword of the word and march forward to the third pole is my prayer. Maybe we could all stand. I don't know how to end a service very well sometimes, perhaps. Maybe we could just bow our heads and we could play something softly. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the presence that's been here, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for all you do for us and how you're true and you're real. You're everything to us, oh God. It's you that's put us and called us and placed us and walked with us through our ups and our downs, our ins and our outs. And the times where we wondered what was next or what was coming or how it would work. The times where we've been blessed and we saw your hand just so sovereignly every day. And the other times where we didn't know what, where you were and which way was up. Lord, you've been there through it all. Lord, we've seen you move time after time in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to step into what you'd want us to be. Lord, you've called a bride to come in this last day. There's been brides and brides, but there would come one that would have mechanics and dynamics, that would have such a, an unction of the Spirit that would be under an anointing, that would be anointed to speak your word, that she would be him, that you would honor her word, that you would say, O Zion, I think of that verse, O Zion, my fair one, O queen of the land, Fear not, I have called you. Speak my word to this land. Oh, bride, be made ready. The rapture is nigh. 
Soon you'll rule the heavens, one with Adonai. Oh, Jesus, bring us to that place we ought to be. Lord, if we're still walking with you and we need direction, give us that unction we need, oh God. If we're not walking with you where we ought to be, help us to look up and see there's a cycle that can be broken. If we need you and we're not even with you at all, draw us, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray. I I think of, there's maybe ones I can think of that are out and not where they ought to be in this building. Go after them, oh God. I pray that we could see your power in a new way. I pray we could feel your anointing in a new way. Lord, that we could feel that anointing come through like the, the eagle's wings that would lift us up a little higher. That we could fly a little higher than our circumstances, than all the things that would go around us. Lord, when the mind battles would come and when the situations would come, help us to remember you've anointed us for it. Lord, you've anointed us to be husbands and fathers and wives and mothers and young people that would stand for you. Single people, married people, old, young, whatever our lot would be in this life, you put us there for a reason. You've brought us to these seasons for a reason, oh God. Maybe someone even older that 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 loneliness would set in or that something or that feeling where they wouldn't be used like they were before or wondering, what what, what would you have for me now? Lord, you know exactly what you've anointed that person for. And there's a great work that you can do, oh God. For that young person that would say, I'm too young. Jesus was teaching in the temple at 12 years old and the word had come to him. Oh God. There will be a rapture-ready bride of all ages, young and old and middle. I pray you'd make us ready for that, oh God. Help us when the trials come, when the confusion comes. Lord, you're not the author of confusion. Help us to see, anoint our eyes that we might see. Lord, I think about how that's, the scripture would say, hurt not the oil and the wine. And how that oil had to do with still that anointing. There's that stimulation that would come, but also that revelation. Lord God, I pray that we would have that always. That you would increase it to us, oh God. That we'd see our position in the word more than ever before. And that we could stand with you, oh God. Use us like never before, oh God. Help us to trust you. Help us to live for you. Lord, we give ourselves away. Commit it to you in Jesus' name. I give myself away I give myself away So you can use me I give myself away I give myself away So you
Give myself away. 